that I'm going to do things a little out of the ordinary and uh, sometimes a little scary walking by faith. And uh, I feel when I usually when I study for a message, I kind of develop kind of a uh, I hate saying the word style or the way a gentleman preaches or a lady. But tonight, uh, I, I really when I when when God spoke to me to speak to this message to speak this message to you, I I really didn't. No, it was Mother's Day, and uh, and I'm glad I didn't know it was Mother's Day because I probably would have tried to force my own will and preach something for the mothers. But I will tell you this: this morning, if I've ever heard anointed speaking, it was this morning. I mean, I mean that with all of my heart. And I want to let you know that I did not go home and I did not steal any of her notes. And if, if it was up to me, she would be preaching that same thing tonight. And so I want you to lay your hand on the shoulder next to the person next to you. And with all sincerity... I want you to pray for that person you got your hand on. I want you to pray with me that God would help them to to receive the word that I'm getting ready to give you. Now, I'm not going to give you some deep revelation. But it's something that every single one of us need to grasp. It's the basis in which we will catapult every one of our ministries. And that is accepting the love from God. So right now, Lord, I pray right now for each and every person in this place. God, I pray that You would open the hearts and the minds and the wills to You. God, I pray right now under the authority of the Holy Ghost that every single person in this room will be broken and have a contrite spirit So you can mold them. Mold us, God. Help us to understand your love. Help us to grasp how much you truly love us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's clap our hands before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're everything, Jesus. Hallelujah. Before I start, when I was in prayer yesterday, now don't read too far into this, preachers, theologians, but I'm getting ready to say. I heard a preacher a while back, and he was right on. He talked about Jesus only. And he didn't mean what we, you think Jesus only. We preach Jesus only and not God the Father or the Holy Ghost. But he was saying that we should, everything should be about Jesus. And he said when the Bible was written, 
from the beginning to the end. It was written all about Jesus. Now, I don't feel like that is right. I believe that the Bible was written written by God, spoken by God, about us. Now listen to me. It should be about Him to us. It's all about Jesus. It shouldn't be all about us to us. It should be all about Jesus to us. Now listen to me. But the Bible was written about this one thing. God's pursuit of man. From the beginning to the end. You read it all the way through. Every ch- all 66 books. Everything that was written was God's pursuit about you. That does something for me. To know that everything that He wrote, everything that He expressed, when He created the sun, moon, and the stars, He spoke it all into existence. It was for you. It was for you. It was one of the worst times in modern history for the country of Cambodia between the years 1975 and 1979. In just four four short but long years, a man by the name of Khmer Rouge unleashed a catastrophic and painful rule of terror on innocent men, women, and children. In a part of the country, it was nicknamed by a gentleman that was a a journalist, he nicknamed it the Killing Fields. They had made a movie about it. They had written books about it. And analysts, it was, it was a grueling, grueling scene. Analysts of 20,000 mass grave sites by the D.C. CAM mapping program and Yale University indicated that at least 1,386,734 victims... Estimates of the total number of deaths resulting from Khmer Rouge policies, including, including diseases and starvation and outright murder, range from 1.7 to 2.5 million people out of the a population of around 8 million had died. But even through that catastrophic event, such as this, at times in those time in that time we can find something positive during the times of hurt and sorrow because people of God and God's creation are resilient. And I heard of a particular excuse me, instance where one man had been separated from his wife and been separated from his children in this time of slavery and genocides. He was bound by intense slavery and potential death every single day that he lived there. He was separated from the very reason that he had gotten up in the morning. It was his joy. His wife and his children were the very reason why he got up. His wife and his children were everything to him. And now he was living with the very thought that they may not even be alive. But somehow, down deep in his fatherly instincts, it did not matter. He had to find out somehow. Between a man and his family laid a piece of property that once was inhabited by the homes and the lives of men and women and children. 
but now they laid in mass graves of silence. These graves were more than just the resting place of the dead, but these were grave sites of buried and unburied men, women, and children. And it was a reminder to those who thought about escaping the rule of this man. The journey that this man chose to take was more than just about his will to live. It was more than just about his will to get away from the slavery and the genocides, but the long, grueling walk through the killing fields was more than just about his desire for freedom. His escape wasn't about him at all, but it was about his search and his journey was all about the journey of love. Say it was about love. And I I tried to imagine, I've tried to put myself in this man's position that he had mentally and physically had to go through to arrive or set toward his destination. Everywhere that he turned, every step that he took, he saw death. Every time that he breathed in, he smelt the decaying bodies that laid there. Over two million dead bodies. Bodies of his own people in search of what he loved. Something far greater than himself kept him going. What would prompt a man to walk through that much danger knowing that at any time, the, 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 his, the history books, you can read it, between him and the place of freedom was places that sniper rifles and men had, were sitting in, in, in towers and that any moment somebody could shoot him right between his eyes. But he kept going. He kept going. The thing that kept him going is something I'm sure that every father and every mother in this place can identify with. And that is that he loved enough. He loved enough that he was willing to do whatever he had to do to get to his children. I want to let you know something tonight. I want to let you know, I'm, I'm, I'm verifying, I'm declaring what you said to, today, Sister Davis. There is nothing in this world that can keep me from my children. I would walk through hell and back to keep my children safe. I will do whatever I had to do to get my children and my family to heaven. There is something that is so incredible about the love of a parent that possess they have for their children. I don't think that I'm just speaking for myself when I say that I would face my greatest fears to get to my children. They're my life. They're the reason that I get up in the morning. My wife and my children, my family, and nothing could keep me from them. I wouldn't even have to think about it. I would die a thousand deaths in order to get to my children if I knew they were going to have any pain or sorrow. The premise of the story of a father that was willing to walk through a place of death reminds me of the sixth day of creation and the beginning of the story when a father kneeled down into the dust of the earth to form his child. I want you to hear me. I know I'm not going to preach like I usually do, but God told me to tell you this. When a father kneeled down, I want you to get the mental picture 
try to, I know it's hard to fathom, uh, a God that we serve. He kneeled down into the dust of the earth and began to form his child. He, he loved that child and he, he, he just looked at it. The sun, moon, and stars didn't even compare to that man named Adam. And he began to form him and put a lot of thought into Adam. A lot of thought. I, I want to tell you how much thought he put into him. I was talking to a, a, a man that his son is on my son's baseball team. He's an optometrist. And he began to talk about just the eye alone in the body. He said the eye is, is like a, it's a lens. It's like a camera. But he said it's, it's such a simple thing that we have. He said, but what's so complex about it is what connects the eye and, and between the eye and the brain is a cable. And he said, he described it. He said the, the size, I forget the name of it, but it's the little plastic thing on the end of your shoestring. He said it was about that size. That's the optic nerve that connects the eyeball to the brain. And he said inside that optic nerve, he said is 1.5 million strands. That's hard to imagine. Isn't it? And so, and he said each strand does a different thing. Each strand has uh, it translate a different color. He said, and if, it, if the optic nerve is ever severed, he said the world's greatest doctors cannot put it back together. He said because they tried, and he said, he said it's funny, but he said when it, they, they tried to put it together, he said, and where someone's feet is, there's their head. And where someone's feet is, they're up here. They're turned, they're distorted. And black won't be black, and white won't be white, and red won't be red. He said it would all be distorted. But when God created us, He put so much thought into to, to Adam, he began to form him. His, his love for Adam was, was unbelievable. He, he gave him the whole world. He made him a garden and gave him rule over that garden. And his love for Adam and Eve was evident when he took the time out of his day every single day in the evening. He began to walk with them. Imagine that. A God, such a massive God, he took the time out of his day to come and walk with him and her every evening. That was his children. Say, they were his children. So you can imagine how he felt when sin had come into the picture and the veil that separated them from God. It went up and the relationship was no more. And now here is a father that longs to be with his children, a child that he had invested so much in, a child that he had put so much into his body and into their mind, but sin uh, become the barrier that keeps him from God. And even though that sin could keep him from them, sin can never keep him from loving them. I want you to hear what I just said, that even though that sin kept him from having a relationship with them. The sin never kept him from loving him. You might be right now in a sinful nature and that might put a stumbling block between you and God and your relationship with God. But you hear me tonight when I tell you it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
Jesus Christ will always love you. His love for you is undying. And He will always love you. And He will do whatever He has to do to get to you. Ezekiel said it like this, As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. The very day that Adam and Eve sinned, God started a venture or a, a mission that he had to somehow get back to his children. He had said it in his word. He said, if you eat of this fruit, if you sin, you'll die. He, he, started to, he told them that you would be separated from He was bound by his word. It separated from So at this very moment, he had to find his children once again. And the history of man is the, is the story of God's relentless pursuit of man running and hiding among the trees of the garden. God pinpoints our first parents and asks him, Adam, where art thou? He started searching. The very second that they sinned, he began his mission in search. Where are you at? Where are you? Running away from Sarai, God found Hagar by a fountain of water in the wilderness. And she responds with, you are the God who sees me. And Isaac, down through history, you can see it. Isaac is haunted by the Greek, great unseen, and God catches the crafty Jacob and wrestles with him by the, the river Jabbok and pursues Moses out of a desert and sought Gideon while he was grinding grain and chose him, chose to free the children of Israel. He calls Samuel in the silent watches of the night and goes out into the hills after David and he finds Elijah in a cave and he found Job in the heap of an a, a bunch of ashes. Searching, he pursues Saul on the road to Damascus and finds Jonah in the belly of a large fish. Man runs from God. Man runs from God because we have a sinful nature. And they have been running since the beginning of time. And, and, and he, God, pers persistently, persistently is chasing after him. As soon as Adam sinned, he began to run, and man has been running away from God ever since. There are people within the sound of my voice. You're here tonight, but you have been running from God. You have been running until you cannot run any longer. You are so sick and tired of, the, of hell pulling tricks on you. You are so tired of depression. You are so tired of seeing the junk that has crept up on your life. But you're here now. It's time for us to quit running from God and run into God. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is high time that we stop running and run into the one that loves us. This world doesn't have anything to offer you. There's only one thing that can help you and give you life, and that's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
Jeremiah said, while you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. He pursues us because of his undying love of us. It is God's nature to love us. That's his nature to love us. As long as he loves us, he will continually chase you. And I promise you that God will never stop loving you. So once again, we find God again outside the walls of Jerusalem. I want you to hear me. He is still looking for his children outside the city of God. There he is, beaten beyond all recognition. A crown of thorns planted on the top of his head. And with every bit of strength that was inside of him, he is pulling a cross that should have been made for you and I. Should have been made for Barabbas. But he was still looking for his children. He was still calling out for his babies. Through the blood and the tears in his eyes, he couldn't see very well. But he began to cry out in a sense. He was still crying out, Brother Davis, Adam, where art thou? It was all about him. It was all about Adam to God. He was still searching for Adam. He was still searching for you, Brother Manley. He was still searching for you, Brother Jacob. You know the song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That's the truth. He's still looking for his children. And he was willing to do whatever he had to do to find them. I come to tell you tonight that your dad is still pursuing you. He's still willing to walk through death to get to you. I want you to hear me tonight. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. There is nothing that God is not willing to do for His church. There is nothing that's going to keep God from having this church have to have revival. We are His priority. You hear me. I know you're sitting there really quiet. And you may not believe what I'm saying. The apostolic church, the church as a whole, is God's priority. To a father, I'm, 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 I'm going to go here in a minute. You just hold on to your seat. To a father, there is something about the voice of their sons and their daughters. There's something about it. I remember one time my son was out in the vestibule and somebody was fighting around with him and, and joking around with him and, and uh, it was Ethan and I know he can, he can dish it out so I sometimes can't be too protective over him. But I remember this grown man, this he come across and hit him right in the side of the ear. And he didn't mean to, and I know he didn't. But I knew if he did mean to, he'd be knocked out the wall. But he began to cry. And Brother Davis, without even me thinking about it, that cry done something to me. 
Forget about the guy that didn't mean to do it. But something rose up inside of me. I could have whipped him and his whole entire family, Brother Fox. There is something about the cry of a child of God. That is why that is so important for the apostolic people to travail in an altar. There is, that's the reason why it is so important for the men to go downstairs and cry out to God. Because when a child cries out, all of a sudden the father rises up. Something inside of him rises up and he says, where's my baby? i got to find him. I'll do whatever it takes to get to my kids. It was the psalmist that wrote, I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplications, because He hath inclined His ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon Him as long as I live. He said, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got a hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, beseech Thee, deliver me, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth preserveth the simple and was brought low and helped me. Return unto thy rest, my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death and my eyes from tears, and he kept my feet from falling. When you cry out to God, he hears your voice, and he will keep you from falling. Here's where I want to tell you. There's many here tonight. More than what some of y'all would admit. That for so long you have had such a trouble, hard time accepting love from God. What prompted me? To hear the voice of God is a gentleman about a week ago. He told me, this is a full-grown man. He's been in church most of his life. He said, Brother Hill, he said, I love God. He said, I know he loves me. But he said, I have such a hard time understand that he truly, truly does love me. He said, it affects my relationship with God. I've worshipped and I've ran around the church and I've prayed and he's travailed. But he said, somehow, he said, I cannot grasp it and I cannot accept it. And something inside of me, God said, he said, that is the problem with my people. He said, because when a man or a woman or a child cannot learn to accept my love, he said, there's no trust there. And he said, when there's no trust there, he said, there's no faith there. And when there's no faith there, I cannot work in their lives. 
And I begin to ask God, why do we have such a hard time believing that you love us so much? He said, first of all, I'm not visual. He said, you can't see me. And he said, people base their faith on the wrong senses by what they see. He said, when I've told them, I've commanded them in my word to base their faith by the word of God. Because the word of God never changes. He said, and when they base their faith upon what they see, he said, what they see is not always good. He said, so when they base their faith by what they see, their faith will fluctuate up and down. When you have a good day, you're going to have good faith. And when you have bad day, you're going to have low faith. He said, so I want my people to base their faith by my word. He said, and when I tell you that I love you, I mean it. God is getting ready to heal somebody here in their spirit. And I'm asking you tonight, I want you to be as honest with yourself and honest with, with God as you possibly can. And if you, if you, if you feel ashamed and to, to come to this altar here in a minute when I invite you, then you don't want it bad enough. This is another thing that God spoke to me. And he said, my people are wounded. And they can't accept my love because they've always based their love on how men have treated them in their past. Some of you have come from abused homes. Abusive fathers. Abusive mothers. Abusive brothers and sisters. Abuse of friends that has told you that they love you. They've even brought, bought you birthday presents and Christmas gifts. But you've confused that with love. But that's not what love's about. I told you what love was about. Love would chase you to keep you safe, to not hurt you. To not, to not speak evil against you or to not hurt your brothers and sisters. That's love. And it's not of God to speak evil or try to uh, put evil on your brothers or your sisters or your children. He said, and my people has based, their love, based what love is by how they've been treated in the past. And he said, every time that you, they look in the mirror... Because they have not felt love from their fathers and their mothers and in their past. He said they don't look at themselves like I look at them. They hate themselves. So therefore, that's what they perceive love to be. But that's not the God that I serve. Come here, Ethan. I know you can embarrass you. Come here. This is what God wants to do tonight. And I know we're supposed to look at God like the bride and the bride and the husbandman. But a lot of times when we look at God's the relationship between God and, 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 and He's the husband, and He is. There should be no perverse thinking within that. 
Here's the problem. Here's the problem sometimes. God help me to say this right. Pray for me, elder. That we perverse that relationship. Because we live in a perverse world. But this is how we should view God tonight. Stop smiling. You're making everybody laugh. This is my son. And he hurts. I hurt. When he's sick. I don't like cleaning up the mess. And that's painful. Jacob spewed my car the other day and stunk it up. And I stood out in the rain and cleaned it up. And I didn't like it. But because I love him, I was willing to do whatever I had to do to get him better. I love my son. And that's the way God views you. Go sit down. And I know, I, I know I'm going all kinds of different directions tonight. But I feel this really strongly in the Holy Ghost. Sister Brenda Pylon, I want you to come up here. I want Sister Brenda Pylon to come up here. This is a lady. Her family lives on my road. Her brothers live on my road. And I'm going to give her two minutes to give her testimony. Now she's going to tell it like it was. You don't have to. This is the kind of people that sometimes we look past. These are these are pillars of faith, and when you hear her testimony, God is going to do something to you that He hasn't done in a long time, and I want you to react to the Holy Ghost. Do you hear me? Well, my father abused me when I was a child. He beat me up all the time. And then I, I got into drugs and alcohol. And then my son went to church. And uh, I wanted to commit suicide. And uh, he, uh, I, the guy kept saying to me, call my son, call my son. So I called my son and I, and I, I said, Jeff, I said, is it a sin commit suicide? And he said, yes, it is, Mom. And he started talking to me about the Bible. And then he says, come and go to church with me. And I used to make fun of the Pentecostals because I didn't understand them. And then all of a sudden, he says, come and go to church with me. And Lord behold, it's a Pentecost church. And uh, so he says, come. And so I went down there. And, and I started praying to God because I was desperate. I was dying. And I had surgery not too long before I wanted to commit suicide. And he said, he was praying. And then all of a sudden, I started praying. And all of a sudden, I got the Holy Ghost there at that little church. And he, he gave me the Holy Ghost. And I kept praying and praying for the Holy Ghost. And for, Lord, behold, I sat down in my pew, and he gave me the Holy Ghost. And then the church got real quiet, 
and I was talking in tongues, and that's how I got the Holy Ghost, and that's how I got it. If it wasn't for my son and God, I would have been a dead woman. So that's what I went through. Let's stand our feet. God wants to heal some broken hearts tonight. I want every eye closed. Singers are getting ready to sing, Oh, how how he loves us. I want you... I want you to try to find your worth in God right now. I want you to ask God to reveal that to him. Because some of you all look in the mirror and you don't you feel worthless. You just feel worthless. God has called you to ministries. And you've looked at yourself and you say, Ah, I thought always I've always felt worthless. And there's no way I can ever do that. There's no way I could ever preach the gospel. There's no way I could ever witness. There's no way I could ever give a Bible study to anybody. There's no way. I'm not worth anything. It's because you have a problem accepting God's love for you. I want you to realize that tonight. And I want God to put that in your spirit. And out of desperation. And out of an act of faith. I want you to come to this altar right now. I know this wasn't a great shouting message, but you know what? God is laying some foundations for you to shout. Hallelujah. Come on. I want you to cry out. I know I stand in this, I've stood in this pulpit and asked you to cry out, but this time I'm serious. I want you to get down to business with God. I want you to begin to cry out to Him. I want you to remember what I said, that He does hear your cry. And when you get up from this altar, God is going to have your heart mended and taken care of. I rebuke inferiorities. I rebuke inferiorities. Hallelujah. God has chased you. He has chased you. Since the beginning when he said, Adam, where art thou? And then he pulled up a cross up Calvary's hill. He was saying, Adam, where art thou? And tonight he's saying them very things. Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou? Hallelujah. And all you have to do is say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I need fixed. I need you to fix my broken heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing that song. Hallelujah. I don't want any joking, any... I want everybody's hearts and minds on God right now. If you want to visit, you can visit out in the best view. I'm asking you, I'm begging you to help these people pray. I do need people to help these people pray. If you want to come up here.